How's everybody doing? I don't understand. It's 11 o'clock. 11.20. Y'all should be excited. How's everybody doing? Okay, that's good. All right, so I want to tell you quickly about uh, the four-point stance. I am so, 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 so excited about starting next week, uh, preaching through the four-point stance and what what this is going to be. It's going to take, we're going we're gonna to use the summer to, uh, to show you this, and I don't want to give too much away. So just let me tell you this part. You don't want to miss it, okay? You don't want to miss next week. Now, after next week, you'll kind of get an idea of what we're going to do. If you're gone, by the way, make sure you watch it online, uh, live or later in the week. But I'm telling you, you don't want to miss this. And after next week, if you see what it's going to be about, and you're like, eh, I don't want to do that. That's cool. But just give us, just, just come next week and see. Because I really want you guys, especially you partners that have partnered with our church, I want you to try to, to come to all of them. Because we're going to do this the rest of the summer. And I'm telling you, I really believe it's going to change our church uh, for the direction that God wants us to go. And I could not be more pumped up about it. So do not miss next week. It's going to be awesome. Uh, for every man in here, uh, how many guys are dads? You, you currently have a kid. You are a father. That's awesome. That's awesome. I want to tell you guys that we're grateful for you. Uh, normally on Father's Day, you get banged on, and Mother's Day we give gifts. And so today we're not going to say uh, dads all suck and you should do better. What we're going to say is we appreciate you. Uh, we're grateful for you. Matter of fact, I, I just want to mention this. I, I noticed that there's so many of you guys that serve uh, in whatever area of the church that you serve in. And we've got some amazing male leadership all over the church, and I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart that I really am grateful for you, for the way that you lead, for the way that you lead your families, for the way that you follow Jesus. We really are grateful for you, and we love you, and I just wanted to, to tell you that this morning. And today, um, I'm very, 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 very excited about what's about to happen in your lives. So I want everybody to look at me right now. I want you to put down whatever you're looking at. I want you to forget whatever distraction you had in your life, because I know there's a bunch talked to a couple people on the way home from the beach yesterday with deep burdens, with things that they're dealing with in their lives. So I know just by looking out that there's a lot of burdens in here, that there's a lot of hurting people. I, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. What I want you to do is not think about someone else w when you hear this message. I want you to just consider where you are, just you. Don't think, man, I wish, I wish Bob was here, man. That dude needs this message, right, because I'm guilty of that. A lot of times, you need this today. I know that it spoke to me, and I can't wait to hear it again because I'm telling you this message is great. And so of all the people that have poured into me over the last, I've been in ministry for 10 years now, and I've preached now for two and a half or whatever um, in our church, and of all the people that I go to and I get advice from, uh, my uncle is the person that I go to the most. He, is, um, he lives a mile from me. Uh, and he is a person that has been there as a father figure in my life through the most difficult thing that I've ever been through and then through several other things um, in my life. If I have a question about the Bible, just like, hey, I don't know about this, I'm telling y'all, and you can, you can put me to the test. I know no one that knows the Bible better than him. I mean, he is just like an encyclopedia of the Bible. It's amazing to just sit on his back porch and enjoy a cigar, because that's what we do, right? It's awesome. And just read the Bible and just study it together. It's just a great time. And so I'm pumped today because um, 
this way that he's preaching the lost son, the, the prodigal son, is different than I've ever heard it, and I think it's going to speak to you. You guys will find yourself in one of these areas, and I'm so excited about this message that he's going to do. So listen, please just open your heart up to what God wants to tell you, because I'm telling you, he will change your life. Will y'all welcome my Uncle Alan, Alan Taylor, to the stage this morning? Good morning. I am very excited about having this opportunity to um, talk about men. Being Father's Day, we get one shot. That's that's all. You know, mamas get it all. Valentine's, Mother's Day, all this. It just isn't right. I'm sorry. You know, we're pretty cool, and we don't get that kind of stuff. You know, we always tell them, "Can I have another dollar, Dad?" or stuff like that. But uh, I want to take you through a story about three men. This is a fascinating story. Some of you have been uh, saved for a good while. You know the prodigal story, but I want you to look at it differently today. In this story, the prodigal comes home. The father runs out to meet him. There is a great feast, and we know that aspect of it. That is the biblical account of the prodigal. But what I want to share with you today is an account from a painting I came across in my reading. And it just may not affect you this way, but it's just one of those things. I was so enthralled by it that uh, my Father's Day present from my wife and my children was this portrait. And it's about this big and this wide. The real portrait is in St. Petersburg. It's the, the genuine article, and it is eight feet tall. And it is phenomenal, I guess, to be able to sit there and just look at it. It was done by Rembrandt. Rembrandt painted this when he was about a year away from his death. Uh, I don't know the date exactly. I think it was the late 1500s. But whatever, that's irrelevant. But Rembrandt painted this, and most of his paintings, he would put himself in one of them. He would paint himself in there. The earlier, he did an earlier version of the prodigal, which matched up to this portion of scripture. But many believed that he didn't put himself in here, he put his soul in here, which was a depiction of his life. Rembrandt was the most talented artist probably alive. One of the most. But... He knew it, and he was arrogant, and he just absolutely flaunted it. If you ever saw portraits of him earlier, he had this nice hat with feathers and prostitutes under each arm and just drinking and having a big old time. That's Rembrandt. He was a prodigal for a good long while of his life. Later, he lost everything. He had a tremendous amount of wealth, but he gambled it all away. And But before he died, he was bankrupt, if you can believe that. And uh, here he is in this situation. I'm going to have the guys put the picture up here and let you look at it because I'm going to base this around this, this portrait that Rembrandt puts up of the prodigal. And it is a very accurate depiction of the heart of what happens in the Bible story. But it's also a depiction of his soul, where he was once a prodigal and where he became, after he got out of that lifestyle, a bit arrogant in his, in his process of life, like the older son. 
and then later takes on the heart of a father. He had three or four, I think four children. They all died in their very young age. He lost his wife. And he had one daughter who did survive, married this young man, and he absolutely loved him. And one year after they were married, he died. And so you get a picture of the soul of a man who's really hurt, really gone through it. And it's in that atmosphere that he takes a story of the prodigal and puts it on canvas. I want you to see this as we look into this particular portion of Scripture. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 down through verse 32. You know the story probably. It says, there was a young man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided property between them. Not many days, the younger son gathered all he had, took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And when he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. This is an interesting story. I always fascinated every time I read it. He, he comes to his father in the first stage of his life as he leaves. You know, over the years, I, I was, never really thought much about, hey, give me my share of the... What's due to me? Give me my inheritance. But as I read this, and if you question people evidently in the Middle East culture, which is what this was, and in other parts even today, and you ask them this question, if, a, if your son came to you and asked you for your inheritance, would you give it to him? And without fail, all of them that were kind of asked said, absolutely not. That's unheard of. So why? Because if you ask for the inheritance from the father, you're saying, I wish you were dead. That's what you're saying. I just wish you were dead. Give me what's due to me when you're dead. That's what this prodigal says. He leaves. He disrespects the values and the home to a point that he says, that's it. I don't care. I want out, and I'm leaving. Now, here's, here's a strange thing to me. Most fathers, and I'm speaking to dads today, do you know what we would have said? You walk out that door this way, don't you come back. That's it. I'm telling you, you want to go this way, you are on your own, man. This is where it convicts me. That's not what this father did. He opens his arms to him, and he says, I'm, I'm not going to stop you. If you want to go, you go. But understand, 
I absolutely love you. And my arms are always going to be out here waiting for you. That's what this prodigal even didn't care about that. He goes on. He leaves. And you notice also he begins wandering. When, when he goes out, he's got money. He's got robes like his older brother over here. Man, he's got the red robes. He's looking good. Got the cane. Dude's got a cane. I don't know if you can see that or not. He's just kind of, what's up with me kind of thing. He's just doing the thing. And he leaves. He goes out all dressed up, dudded, gold stuff, everything else. And everybody's his friend when he's got money. Everybody will party with you when you pay in the bill. And so he wanders, he goes out, he has this, rest, this, this restlessness about him that says, I'm missing out on something staying at home, man. I got to get out. I got to do stuff. And I want you to know, guys, there's every one of us that struggle with that spirit that says within our heart, man, this ain't fun. There's some fun out there waiting for me, and I'm going to go get it. And this was the attitude of the prodigal as he goes on. And as he goes on, he, he, he has this restless and reckless attitude that goes on. Because what he's really trying to find out is the answer to this question. I wonder who I really belong to. I left home. I don't belong there anymore. I wonder who I really belong to. Now let me give you just kind of a side note to all of us who've been saved for a while. You think, well, I'm glad I'm not the prodigal. Hold on, hold on. There's a lot of the prodigal in me. When there's that restless spirit within us, where there's a preoccupation that suggests that I belong to this world more than I belong to God, I'm a prodigal. When a little criticism makes me angry, when a little rejection makes me depressed, when a little bit of praise just makes me lift my spirits, and a little success really excites me when it takes very little to raise me up or to put me down. I want you to know that's the prodigal in me. You ever found yourself there? That's what he struggled with. I am the prodigal son every time I look for unconditional love where it just can't be found. You see what he's saying? It's almost as if we want to prove that we don't need God. It's almost that bad. It's like this prodigal who had to prove, I don't need my dad. I don't need that home. So he leaves, he wanders, but the good thing is he returns. He found out that all this stuff that he thought was going to really be fun failed he went further and further down and it never satisfies it just made more him suffering and what he thought would give him more gave him less and was a hole that just like a vacuum kept taking it in but he finally had to reach rock bottom have you look at this picture look at his head it's pretty much shaved and we do that day to be cool you know, I like my head kind of cool. You don't want to see my hair grown out. It's kind of scary. So I keep mine short because I like it short. But back then, 
if they cut your hair is because you were a slave. You had no identity. What, how many guys served in the service? What's the first thing they do when you go, you may have this fine head of hair. What's the first thing they're going to do? Wow, that's a nice do. Here's your uniform. Let's go on. Now, what's the first thing they do? Like sheep, man. They just shear your head. And they take it all out. Why? Because they don't want you standing out. You're going to lose your identity so we can remake you. And you look at this guy and you see, he'd been through it. He's been through like a concentration camp that you saw in the Jewish uh, realm back in World War II where they shaved all their heads and they put them through such torment and killed and slaughtered so many of them. This is kind of what he is. Man, he's just, he's a nobody now. And he got to the rock bottom. Look at those shoes, man. There's, one of them's off. It won't even stay on his feet anymore. The other one's so worn out and barely can keep it on. The back heel part is just gone. And the clothes he's got on is all that's left from the robes that he left with. It's yellow and it's stinking and it's messed up. And it covers his skeletal frame. It's the undergarment from what he had when he first left. Man, things got bad. And the first step he had to come to, as you look at the scripture, is he had to realize something. He was really lonely. He lost all things of having something in common with other people. Nobody cared about him anymore. In fact, it got so bad. You see how bad it got? Do you know in in the Jewish culture... You hung around a pig, you were unclean. You couldn't eat pork. Couldn't have good country ham. That was against law, the biblical law. And now here he is feeding pigs. And he goes to the person that he's indentured himself to, enslaved himself to, and says, man, I am starving to death. Can I have some of the pig food? And you know what he told him? No! That's rock bottom he wasn't even considered to be a human anymore you ever been there some of you know what I'm talking about where you get to such a low place and you think man where's all these people I thought were my friends and you're so low so far down that you don't even get help to feed you from the food that goes to a pig. He realized something. And then he returns. That's a good story, man. I'm going to rise. I'm going to go back to my father. I could be his servant. They're fed a lot better than I am. And I'll ask him, would you let me be your servant? I'm starving. I'm dying. This is all I got. Because it was an act of his will that he says, I'm leaving. And you know what it takes to get back? An act of our will to say, it's time for me to come home. And man, what a return he got. You know the story, and he got so tired of wandering, he came home. When he got home, dad was there. He embraces him. When he embraces him, he gets a robe, he puts it around him. 
he gets a calf and he slaughters it and said, man, it's time for a South Carolina barbecue. Let's have a party. He's back. That's his return. But you know what has to happen with us guys? We're going to miss out on the real celebration if we don't get tired of wandering. we got to get so tired of it. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You ever heard that term? And until you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you never come home. You never see it. And maybe you're a guy here, as a guy here, you see yourself on that boat and you say, well, man, that's me and I don't like it. I'm all messed up and my life is showing it. Why don't you come home? The Lord is waiting for you. He wants you. He's never not wanted you. Come home. But then there's this other guy. That's his brother. Look at it down here. If I can find it. Verse 26, his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house, heard music and dancing, and he called one of his servants and asked, what what do these things mean? And he said to him, your brother has come. Your father's killed the fatted calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look at these many years I served you. I never disobeyed your command. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when his son, this son of yours came who has devoured the property with prostitutes, you killed a fatted calf for him. And he said to his son, son, you're always with me, and all that's mine is yours. It's fitting to celebrate and be glad. This your brother was dead and is alive, was lost, and is found. This dude was something. He's the older sons. You see him over there on the right depicted. He's no different than the prodigal, by the way. They both needed healing. They both needed to come home. I call him the pouting prodigal. You know, you got the, the, the true prodigal left on, but this guy's the pouting prodigal. Man, I've been here, and I've been working, I've been doing all this stuff. I've lived in the house, and this is just horrible. He, he just came to a point that he didn't realize that he was a prodigal even though he stayed home. They both needed forgiveness. They both needed to come home. They both needed the embrace of a loving father. The hands on this portrait is what fascinates me. Here the father is, putting those caring, loving hands on the back of the shoulder of this prodigal. And right next to him is one that needs to be down where he is. He said, Dad, I know you love me, but I've left you too. And get those arms around him and realize all the time, I've loved you all the time. You just missed out. You can get just as lost staying at home. You can get just as lost staying at home as you can wandering to the pig pen. He was lost in his resentment. Man, I want to tell you, this guy had an attitude problem. Angry, grumbling spirit. You can always recognize an older brother Christian Because they're always ready to complain about everything. 
They're always wanting to gripe about something. You ever met folks like that? We got so many older brothers sitting in our churches, it's, it's embarrassing. And he, he just, you, you just want to say to him, dude, come join the party. This is supposed to be good. This is supposed to be grand. Every time somebody gets saved in a service, we ought to be so excited, so happy. This dude is really got a problem. I have grandchildren. I've got eight of them. I hope this isn't televised too much. It is, but uh, my uh, apple of my eye grandchild, I won't say my favorite, but my, my dude is three years old. He's back there. His name's Will. He's my buddy. And he'll come over and stay with me. And you know what we do when we put him to bed and I sit there and lay with him? And Papa's got to be right there, of course. We watch Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig rules, man. I've just, I'm addicted to Peppa Pig. You ever seen Peppa Pig? you got to watch Peppa Pig, man. It is the coolest thing. And one thing I see about them is this older dude needed to, become, needed to hang around some Peppa Pigs. He just didn't know how to be happy. In the Peppa Pig deal, when they get happy, what do they do? I love this, man. I hope I can get up. When they get happy, they get down. <laughs> oink, oink, oink. And that's what they do. They're just, yeah, thank you. I'm not sure I can make this thing up from that far down. And you know what I wanted to tell this dude? Go watch Peppa Pig, man. You need to learn how to loosen up a little bit. They didn't get it. He was so, so bitter and resentful. Then he missed the party. He compared himself to his brother. When you start comparing yourself to others, you are on a road that will take your joy right away. I stayed home. I did this. I did that. Look at this guy. He took your money. He was with prostitutes. He acted this way. Are you kidding me? Why are you throwing a party for him? This doesn't make sense. Let me read this quote I thought was fantastic. The author says, looking into myself and then around me at the lives of other people, I wonder which does more damage, lust or resentment. There is so much resentment among the just and the righteous. There's so much judgment, condemnation, prejudice amongst the saints. There is so much frozen anger among the people who are so concerned about avoiding sin. Man, I want to tell you what, that hits home. That's the older brother. He was big on keeping rules. But he never got it. Listen to me now. Listen to me. Catch this. Anytime you start talking about what you deserve... You leave the circle of grace. You understand what I'm saying? Anytime you start talking about what you deserve. Man, I've been to church every Sunday. I bring my Bible. I read it every day. I have my devotions. I tell people to come to my church. Certainly I ought to be getting more than some of these people who just got saved and lived that horrible life. Wait a minute. Anytime you talk about what you deserve, you step out the realm of grace and you miss it.
That's what he missed. Matthew 20, we, we have a little study on the back porch every Wednesday night with some guys, and that's just, these are my guys. I just love them. They're just very, very precious to me. And then we studied Matthew 20 recently. Remember it? Matthew 20, the parable of the labors. And this labor went out, there were labors that went out to this, this, the guy that owned the field came to the town center, and he'd come to the town center at 6 o'clock in the morning and said, okay, who wants to work? And they're all there. I said, man, I need work today. I'll take you five. They go to work. Nine o'clock, he needs more. Goes back. Well, before he does, he talks to these guys at five and says, well, you going to work for me? Yeah, but we need to have one denarii for the day's work. We need to have that. Okay, no problem. You got it. Goes back, gets some others at nine o'clock. Comes, puts them to work. They didn't talk about pay. At noon, comes, goes to work. They didn't talk about pay. Three o'clock, takes them, put them out there, go to work. Five o'clock, hour or two before you're done. Takes them, goes out, puts them to work. When they're done, you get paid at the end of the day, not at the end of the week like we do. At the end of the day, they all come. It's time to get paid. Starts with the dude that worked one hour. Here's a denarii. The dude that made the contract for the denarii scratching his head and said, whoa, whoa, I'm calling my union rep. The guys that worked at 3 o'clock, here's a denarii. Guys that worked at noon, here's a denarii. Guys at 9, denarii. Guys that contracted with them, denarii. When I read this story, it was the longest time. But I didn't understand that. I said, well, that's not fair. Come on. He worked longer. He ought to get more. But you missed the whole story as the prodigal's elder brother missed it. That the Lord, and, so he, and he says to them, why are you griping about what I pay? You agreed upon it. I gave it to them out of the generosity of my heart. Do you know what would have been the right response from those guys that came in that first time? It's, wow, I want to work for this guy again. He treats them like that. One hour, and you get treated like this? What a generous guy. The older son didn't get that. He made a contract. Uh, do this, I'm going to get this. And he missed the point altogether. And in missing that, he, he missed the whole idea that the Lord loves and cares for us equally. I don't get that. I've never gotten that. But I'm glad it's so. Older brother was without joy. I want to tell you, resentment and joy can't live together. If you're resentful, you're never going to be joyful. They can't be in the same house. Some of you need to let go of the resentment so that you can come to the party. You need to let it go and come to the party. I've been here long enough. I've watched some of you people that just excite me to no end. And I've seen how some of you have transformed by the grace of God to become joyful people. And that excites me. Because I know what you did. You took that resentment, you laid it at the feet of Jesus, and you said, that's enough of that. I just want to get in on what's good here. And that's what he needed. And that's what he missed. He was without it. And when you see that need, then all of a sudden you can start seeing a change. you got to let go of the comparison. you got to let go of the competition. 
You, and you got to just surrender to the Father. we got to quit that stuff of trying to compete. Well, you know, <laughs> we may not say it out loud, but inside, I'm glad I'm not as bad as that dude. I want you to understand, we're all bad. We may be bad in the house, we may be bad in the pig pen, but we're all bad. And the grace of God and the love of the Father says, Come and trust me. I want to spend this time talking about the Father. You might look at this and as, as a man say, boy, I sure see myself in that. See myself looking down my nose thinking I'm a little better because I've done this and I've, I've accomplished this. Wait a minute. Or I've seen myself as a prodigal. But I want you to know the goal in this story is to get prodigals to become like the father. The goal is to get us to be fathers. The focus of this was supposed to be on the father. Not on the sons. I want you to look at this father. He's old. He's burdened down. But it's his hands that embraces. And it's a picture of what we're supposed to be, guys. Can I take a little time to talk to you about this? Because this is a compassionate man. A compassionate father who says, I can't make you stay. I can't force you to stay. I love you so much, I won't make you do that. If you want to leave, I'm not going to stop you. And in that compassion, he shows himself to be a father in a way that sometimes we miss as fathers. And I want to go over three things about this father that I think is significant in the story and even in this picture. First of all, if you're going to be and I'm going to be a father of compassion, first of all, we've got to know how to grieve. You know what I mean by that? I mean, we've got to hurt. I have three children, <laughs> twin boys and a girl. Twins kind of run around our family pretty much, you know. My daughter has a twin boy and girl. I think it was the water. I'm not sure what it was, but... Something calls her. My sister-in-law has twins. And, but nonetheless, we had twin boys and a girl. And I remember watching them grow. And Mark was right next door to us. And these boys just hung around all together. It was easy when they got out of line. He said, boys, you can't do that anymore. You're going to get in trouble. And I just can't let you do that. I'm going to have to correct you. And sometimes I'd have to bend them over my knee and spank them. But when they get older, you can't do that. It just doesn't work that way anymore. All you can do is hurt. Let me speak to parents who have some prodigals today. You know what it is to hurt for a wandering child. You born that. And it's almost overwhelming at times. How much more must our Father hurt when we wander as we do? If He loves so much that I can't even touch the hem of His garment as far as being that loving, how much more must He hurt when I wander? And if I'm going to be a father, i got to quit being the tough guy 
And you leave, you ain't never coming back attitude. I need to take on to my soul, Lord, I want to be like you. And if it means i got to hurt to see him come back, then I'm here. I'm your guy. Some of your prodigals and some of your elder sons got to take the step to fatherhood today. you got to say, it's time for me to be a father. You can get so used to being the prodigal and the older son that it's just all you do. But being a father, being a compassionate father, is taking on the grief. It's also taking on the forgiveness. I got to be honest, if, if the boy had come back home like this, you know what the first thing I would have said to him? He just came back from pigsty. He smelled to high heaven. He was dirty and filthy. I just said, dude, let's go get you. You go take a shower now. We'll talk in a little bit. Clean up, man. Did you see what this father did? He embraces him. We have no idea how it smelled when he embraced him. We have no idea how filthy he was when he embraced him. But he takes him and he embraces him and he holds him to him and says, let's get a robe. And he puts that new robe around that dirty body and he puts a ring on his finger that's caked with the mud from the pigsty. And he says, I forgive you. I love you. Boy, it'd be nice to have some dads like that. He treated him as if he'd never left. Treated him as if he'd never left. And I want you to know it takes the grace of God to be that kind of a dad. Treat you like you never left. But you do that, it's going to be a different place in your life. He gives him away. Gives himself away. He showers him with gifts. And he turns to the elder son and says, Listen, everything I got's yours. There is nothing the father keeps back. He pours himself out for his sons. He gives it all away. No reserve. I'm yours. I read a quote regarding this. It's been said... The true generosity is acting on truth, not on feelings. That those, now get this, that those I'm asked to forgive are kinfolk and they belong to my family. And he goes on to say, generosity creates the family it believes in. Whoa. Do you know why I need to be that kind of person in my church? You know why I need to be that kind of person in my home? Because a generous person creates that family. You wonder why I don't feel so close to people. Are you generous? Are you that kind of person that stretches out your hands, not begging, not grasping, not demanding, not warning, not judging, not condemning, but hands that only bless and expect nothing in return? The return... To the Father is the ultimate challenge for every man. What kind of man is going to be there when you come home? 
and to those children and that wife. Are you ready to kind of take that step? It's time for some of us to say, I played the prodigal and that older son long enough. It's time for me to take a step into fatherhood, to grieve, to forgive, to be generous. It's time to do that. I would, I would beg you, let the Lord deal and bring you to that place. So what do we do? You see the picture? Maybe some of us need to just come down and kneel around. Find a place. Find a place. Just right in. You don't have to wait for me to tell you to that. Just as the Lord leads you and deals with you. Just come on. Find a place. And your kneeling is saying, Lord, I, I'm, I want your embrace. I need your touch on my life. It's time for me to get, get back to you. Some of you have never come to faith in Jesus Christ. You don't know that he died for you, that he was so generous that he shed his blood and took your sin, placed it on him, so he could put his righteousness on you. He did that for you. He says, would you come home? I got this for you. Come home. You're here today and say, that's what I need. I need to know that heaven's my home, that I need to know that I'm a son of his. Then we're going to give you an opportunity right, right now to say, I want to do that. That's me. Mark, are there some people back in the back ready to talk, folks? If you're that person who says, I need to come trust Jesus as my Savior, I want to find out what that's about. Just not, This takes a big step. You've got to be a man to do this, frankly. Just step up, head to the back, says, I want to talk to somebody about Jesus. Just do it. Just do it. Man or woman. Guys, let the Lord work. Says, I'm the prodigal and I'm coming home. I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But man, I've been wandering. I've been out there. And it's time for me to get back where I need to be. Or maybe you're the elder son. Say, I need to change my attitude. I need the Lord's help to do this. And you just come. Just kneel and just get it right with the Lord, man. Do it. Let's stand. Let's stand. Father, I pray that you would work. That you would change our lives so that we might come and join the party that you've got for us. Lord. May we realize and enjoy the presence of your relationship in absolute love and that we might become more and more like you. Lord, work in our hearts, we pray, for Jesus' sake. You come as the Lord deals with you. Hey, guys, I'm just going to ask you all to, uh, to have a time of response um, because I just believe... Maybe I'm the only one that the Holy Spirit's convicting, but I have, I have a hard time believing that because this is what I'm dealing with as I'm sitting right here listening to it for the second time. And honestly, we, we talked about it many times on his back porch about what he was going to preach. And so just thinking through, this is the thought that I had when Leah and I were driving home from the beach yesterday. I can be a great father of this house, church, where people look and say, man, he's a good pastor. He's a good speaker. And I cannot be a great father at my home and have joy for my family and my kids see a man that follows Jesus and wants to be like that man. Who cares what we're like up here, right? Or when people are looking at us. This is the inner man. This is the inner woman. This is the character. And I want to know right now, if you find yourself as the young son that is long gone in the pigsty, or if you are the second son, 
that is standing proud saying, look what they're doing and look what I'm not. I want you to respond. Rarely do I do this, but I believe today is a day that we should kneel before God and say, my pride is keeping me from what you want me to be. If you believe that you've done God a favor this week and I have been guilty, I have been guilty. Believing what I've done is something great for God, so therefore he, I deserve his blessings. No, I deserve hell. I deserve separation. I just want to give you all a chance. Just step out right now, wherever you are, and it does take boldness, but goodness, if you're fighting pride at that point when you're ready to change, you don't care about pride anymore. I just want you to come let this be your altar. I just want you to step out right now and say, you know what, Pastor Mark, I'm going to come down. I'm going to kneel right here. You can stand. You can kneel. You can do whatever. If no one in here is struggling with pride, man, that's awesome. But I just want you to step out right now. Who will be the first one to say, you know what, man, that's me. I'm the one. I'm the one that needs to come out. I'm the one that's struggling. I'm going to step out. Just asking y'all right now, if anybody, if that's you, I just want you to come out right now and just and just kneel right here. And if you're the person that you find yourself in the pigs, I just want you to slip your hand up as high as you can and say, man, that's me. That's me. I need Jesus right now. Would anybody say, man, I need God to touch me and change me? If that's you, I just want you to come right now. Come on. 